welcome back to the Wellness League podcast with your host Ella. And today, my friend is James Newbury. James is an elite athlete and at his fittest, he became fifth fittest man in the CrossFit Games in 2019. I met James back in 2020 when I was training in his Adelaide gym. And so, shall we dive in? Ready to get started? Yeah, let's hit it. Okay. So, firstly, who are you? (laughs) Who am I? Well, I guess my name, my name is James Newbury. I'm 30. I actually can't remember what, how old I am. I think I'm 33. I'm 33. (laughs) I just had my birthday, so I am 33. Um, I've probably, I guess I'm probably known mostly for my CrossFit endeavors, uh, competing at the CrossFit Games, competing at uh, Australian Nationals, um, but kind of a mixed modality athlete. Um, I've always been into sport. Um, I've always been trying uh, trying new new sports and, you know, testing my ability. I've always been really, really interested in athletic performance and seeing how much the body's capable of, whether that's in, you know, the, uh, the arena of, of endurance or strength or a mixed modality or athletics. It really didn't matter. I was always very keen to um to test my limits there so uh, essentially professional athlete i kind of I based my my career on being a professional athlete i've also i've owned a handful of businesses over the years and now i'm living on the gold coast um i've got uh, a couple of businesses that are running up here and yeah i guess to the to the most part i'm just a just a, another guy just having a crack at the end of yeah. the day oh my goodness <laughs> who is this this is Sadie the pod dog. She loves jumping in for our records. Sadie. Well, you're always welcome to come on, Sadie. <laughs> She's the face of the podcast now, so she kind of has to be around. I love that. Oh, <laughs> I miss mine. And so what's your earliest memory of being fit? My earliest memory of being fit probably would have been when I was seven years old. I was uh i i was playing soccer when i was you know five and six and i I didn't really like it i wasn't very good so i wouldn't have considered myself fit then but then when i went to athletics so little a's on on a sunday morning probably uh 1998 and it would have been that's the year i was born but anyway (laughs) oh really i was seven at that point in time yeah i well the week previous i didn't do very well the week after i ended up doing quite well. I got a couple of tips from a friend of mine who I also went to school with. Her dad came and gave me some tips on how to run. And then after, you know, pretty much sucking at everything the week before, <laughs> I got a couple of tips that really helped me out with my sprinting. And then the the feeling of, of winning the sprints kind of just trickled into everything else. And then I went from like coming basically last in the sprints and the high jump and the shot put and the discus and the long jump and triple jump and everything else. Yeah. It kind of just spilled into that. So ended up getting a, one tip, ended up winning my race, winning my 70-meter sprint. And then for the rest of the day, just ended up doing well in discus, well in high jump, well in long jump. And I think and we had one other, one other race. I think we had 60-meter hurdles or something like that. So I guess that would be the earliest memory, seven years old. Yeah. And then I then kind of took that as a, a bit of a sign that, you know, I liked getting, I guess, praise for being good at something. And yes. prior to that, being good at stuff wasn't really a thing, but that was the first taste of, 
you know, someone giving you a pat on the back or giving you a clap or putting a smile on someone's face for doing something well. And I was like, oh, wow, this doing well thing makes me feel good. Maybe I should do more of it. Did and so then I say like the adrenaline rush from an early age. Yeah. So then it was kind of just like an addiction to doing well at stuff made me feel good. It was almost, yeah, it was like an addiction. So I, anything I then touched after that, if being in the sporting realm and trickled into other things too, made me just want to do well at all the things that I had a crack at. Yeah, nice. And so I was listening to another podcast. I've listened to a few of yours now, obviously, since kind of trained in your kind of CrossFit kind of area for a while. Yeah. But you were talking about where you got in rugby and then getting to the AIS. You haven't really mentioned much about that, if you want to have a, a Yeah. No, I haven't really mentioned too much about the AIS time. But, um, yeah, it was a really cool eye-opening experience. So I was one of the youngest athletes to get chosen to be a part of the squad. I was 14 at the time and they were usually taking year year 11, year 12s into the squad. So that's like 16, 17-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. So um, coming from Adelaide, coming from South Australia, it's not a rugby league. (laughs) There's no rugby at all. So being half decent at rugby league back then in a state that didn't perform at rugby league at all, mm. you know, if you were, you know, one of the better players out of the pool of people and you did enough to, you know, make junior Australian teams or junior cast teams, they kind of saw it as the opportunity to maybe give you an extra an extra carrot to chase. So going to the AIS, it was like, well, We've got these epic players that are coming from Queensland and New South Wales that are really good. They're 16, 17. These guys, you know, in the next three years, they're going to be playing in the NRL. They're that good. And We've got this. They've been playing since, like, they could get a ball in their hand as well. Exactly. They've been playing since they were like seven and eight years old. So I think seeing a kid from Adelaide that was committed, you know, was half decent. Like, I wasn't as good as those boys yeah. at the end of the day. But that it's like, let's give this kid an opportunity to come and get experience in the gym, get experience in professional coaching, get experience with playing with guys that are, you know, three years away from playing NRL level. Yeah. And let's, I felt like they gave me a bit of a, uh, a bit of a leg up in that respect. So I did the back end of year nine, year 10, year 11 at the AIS in basically every school holidays, I would go do camp. So I would fly in. And they would test you across strength, power, speed, all that type of stuff to see if you'd gotten better since the last time you went to camp. And I was very meticulous about getting better. Yep. So it was a really cool opportunity. I never got to travel with the squad. They, they really – I didn't end up playing. I didn't get selected to go on the tour squad just because they had epic players. They had yep. the likes of, you know, Chris Sandow, um, Andrew McCulloch, they had, you know, Josh McGuire was there at the time. Ben Smith was there. So they had all these dudes that ended up playing like state of origin and rep football for like, yeah. you know, some of the best players in the world. And, you know, I was not going to be able to, um, you know, sit in a, a key position like a halfback position when you've got the likes of, you know, Ben Smith um, playing those positions. So it was more for the training experience and that really got me to a point to understand, you know, what was, you know, elite training, where where would the bases sit? And then from there it kind of progressed. I got really stuck into the gym. Yep. I got really stuck into strength and conditioning. And, and that really helped going to the AIS to set a good standard for all that kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely. Because 
we were learning, we were learning, like, and this is where, you know, when you look at the CrossFit space, this is what all of the high school athletes are doing in America. We don't yeah. get that here in Australia. We don't get, no. we don't get world-class gym facilities and strength and conditioning facilities at a high school. You barely, you I don't. Was in high school, they had literally a gym that was maybe like, oh, wasn't even like a bedroom size. No. It was probably like oh, maybe seven by seven. They oh. had literally maybe a pull-up bar, a Smith machine, um, a leg press, and like maybe one bench and a couple of dumbbells, and they would open it at lunchtime. You wouldn't even do PE classes in there other than on the court mm. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's like, that's a different dynamic completely. So mm. it kind of gave me... It gave me uh, an introduction, and I didn't know at the time, but it gave me an introduction what the boys would have been doing in America where their strength and conditioning space is so well developed from a young age. Yeah. And now you look at them and a lot of the guys that are doing really well at CrossFit, they're American and they yeah. grew up lifting weights and learning how to squat and learning how to press and learning how to deadlift from mm-hmm. 12 and 13 years old. Yeah, so sure. that was good. It was good exposure for me to get to understand these global compound movements early on because yeah. you typically don't learn it um, here in Australia at a young age. So that was a bit of a leg up. So that definitely helped for sure. And then just getting a hand on barbell, you know, translated into learning how to snatch a little bit quicker, learning how to mm-hmm. clean and jerk a little bit quicker. Like when I first started, I was terrible, but. Aren't we all like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in saying that, like a couple of things came quite natural to me. The movement of the split jerk for some reason oh, yeah. was came quite natural, like throwing a barbell and getting underneath it and locking out was quite a natural movement. I don't know why because I'd never done it before. But, you, you know. From your rugby background and the kind of the jumping. Yeah, I, I think athletics. I think athletics, like learning how to jump off one foot um, mm. for high jump and, and um, I think doing all those unilateral dominant yeah, movements yeah. really allowed me to develop a bit of a spatial awareness to understand how that movement works. And so I think pretty much the first time I had a crack at a clean and jerk when I was about 20, I think maybe I did 110 kilos and then like a week later I did like 120. So it was, yeah, that came quite naturally to me. Snatches, not so much. Snatches were quite difficult. I'm pretty weak in terms of a pressing movement, like an overhead press. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was always quite unstable in those positions. Quite long arms, so getting the technique for snatching quite yeah, took me yeah. like a really long time. But in saying that, I think the foundation of my athleticism grew from athletics. Then it was like tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and honed during those camps at um, the AIS, and then also getting put under the microscope in terms of progression. So it's like, okay, now we're going to test you. We're going to retain data. And by the time you get back, if you don't if you don't improve when you come back, we know you've been slacking and you're off the squad. I was like, yeah. don't want that. So I made sure that every time I came back, I was better than I was last time. So Yeah. And that's... was it like 10 weeks in between? So like a school term before you went back to the yeah. next camp? Yep. Yeah. So, so okay. how far did you get with the AIS and how many years were you there? Three. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So three and across that, maybe 12 camps roughly. Yeah, so, yeah, it was mega. I had a good time and it and it did it taught me a lot. It also put me in a, a situation where I was competing and wrestling and lifting weights with guys, you know, a year to two years older than me. 
Um, so, so that made me, you know, want to be better and be a bit more, you learn to be a bit more physical. You learn to be, a, you try and be a bit stronger mm-hmm. and, you know, it was just good competitive nature. I think it, I think it did help me develop a lot and understand yeah. where I needed to be at if I wanted to be competitive. And then I took that all the way to, I was, you know, 20 years old and then decided after looking at a couple of the boys that were playing at the club that I was playing at, you know, 28 years old, never had a run at first grade, had always been trying, you know, just playing football, playing, still playing high-level footy, but still, you know, grade below NRL, and they still hadn't had a run and just, you know, sinking piss, you know, three nights a week around their yeah. games. That wasn't an interest to me. So I was like, I need to get out of this. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be here in four or five years' time or even eight years' time yeah. still trying to have a crack at first grade. You know, m- maybe, maybe if I had stuck it out two years later, you know, uh, a situation may have occurred where I was like, hey, you're going to get a run at first grade here. Let's freaking go. Or someone took an interest in you and, you know, planets align and then someone was like, yeah, this guy's good. He'll, you know, let's put him in first grade and let's have a crack. Yeah. But I'd also stumbled upon CrossFit in that same season and I was just eager to get into the gym to develop as an athlete in that respect. I was just like, I'm good at this thing. It's, you know, fires me up. The crew's good. The community's great. It's a race. You just get to put all of your fitness on display. It wasn't about, you know, the coach likes the mixture between that 5'8 and that halfback and, he, and the forwards like this guy and the forwards like that guy. And we think this is going to work better. This was just all, it was black and white. You either won the 400 meter race or you didn't. And that was it. And it, there was no bias in it. It was like, okay, well, if I train, if I train harder and I get better at lifting weights and I get stronger and I get more cardiovascularly fit and I get more endurance, I am going to be better and I'm going to win. Yeah. And I liked, I liked the nature of that. That was more appealing to me. I still love playing footy and I still love playing touch footy, but it's a, it's a, it's a different dynamic. So I kind of grew and I grew towards enjoying CrossFit and by the end of the season we actually went through that season undefeated we had a great season and and what was the team this is the AIS team what were they called at the time that was not the AIS team this was a team after this was like when I was about 20 um but the AIS team Adelaide then we're playing yeah no no I was playing in Sydney yeah I moved yeah. yeah I moved to Sydney at that point in time I was playing in Queensland the year before and then I moved to Sydney to play there. Um, I had a run with Para Juniors, and then they put me over at Wentworthville. Um, I played at Wenny for a season and kind of stumbled upon CrossFit at the same time. Yep. Uh, but the AIS team, I can't even remember. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was the AIS. I think it was just AIS schoolboys or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. had a guy on the podcast a couple of weeks ago called Nathan, and he was at the AIS for water polo. Oh yeah, yeah sick. Similar experience. Yeah, yeah. He said it like really set him up for the rest of his career into like triathlon and stuff, which we'll get into after. But yeah. yeah. Um, From there into CrossFit, do you want to just describe your life of being an elite athlete? Not so much into your career because everybody's spoken about that and that's really known about. But let's talk about just the life of being an athlete and how you get there for an elite athlete. Yeah, totally. So in the beginning, you know, throughout 2011, I would just go and do the midday class. I'd do 12 p.m. class. I'd train for the hour. I'd be done. Uh, six months later, I decided to start doing some extras and learning how to clean and learning how to do toaster bar more efficiently. So then I started doing, you know, I was doing double days already, but I'd go in, yeah. I would work in the morning until about 11, 
Then I would drive over to the gym. I would train the midday class at 12 o'clock. And then I would go and play football at night time. I would go on rugby league training at night. So I was running and doing skills and drills and conditioning at night time as well. So I was doing double days back then. Yeah. Um, been doing, I'd been doing double days for you know, five years by that point. Yeah. And then when I left there and I went to Adelaide in 2012, I was doing double days you know, just, but just cruisy double days, like an hour in the morning and maybe half an hour at night, or it could be like an hour of CrossFit, some weightlifting, and then I'd go for a, you know, 20 to 30 minute jog or something in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but no real structure, no real, um, you know, program in and around that. Mm. And then after that, 2013, I was, I actually qualified in 2012 for the Australian regionals. I ended up placing ninth. I went from 47th to ninth and I thought, oh, I should really have, I should really have a crack at this. So decided to, you know, try and train a little bit harder, do a bit more work, get a bit stronger, you know, just progress across the board overall. Ended up coming back in 2013 and came 11th and I'd gone back two spots and I thought, far out, what's the go? Like I've trained way harder, I'm better than I was last year and I've gone back two spots. And then someone introduced me to training uh, on a program. And so, yeah. I, you know, I, I sought out a... Uh, uh, a coach and then he basically structured my training i'd had you know am session pm session they were structured they were hard they were longer way longer like double the work that what i'd normally ever get done and was your coach at that time are they still around or yeah they're still around rob downton um yeah he's still a good mate of mine um he runs a program called raw strength and conditioning oh, yeah. and it basically just it it had me it had me going from something unstructured and just, you know, winging it to something that was structured and progressively getting better. Yeah. Um, did you become a trainer at this time as well? Or? Yeah, yeah. I'd already, like I set up my own my gym at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. And so it was basically in the beginning, it started out, you know, I would train, I would train, but my main focus was the gym. The main focus was getting the gym off the ground and running and getting the business working because I wanted to be successful outside of the training realm like I thought you know CrossFit's not going to be a career CrossFit will yeah. just be something I do as a hobby so my career will be opening this gym and having the gyms go well and maybe opening a couple more gyms so and this at the time yeah uh, this was CrossFit mode this was CrossFit yeah. mode this oh, was the city gym the city. yeah yep. yeah and then so I kind of put the focus on the gym and the, and the business rather than my training. And then eventually it got to the point where I hadn't qualified for the games and I thought I would have by then. And then in 2015, I decided to, if I'm not going to qualify, I'm not going to qualify doing what I'm doing now, putting so much emphasis on the gym. Yep. If I'm going to do it, I better do it now. I'm you know 24 years old. I better do it. This is like prime time. So I kind of relinquished all my responsibility from the gym essentially, hired my dad to come in and help out with management, I had we coaches come on Mark. board. We've got to love Mark. <laughs> Mark and smoothies. We've got to give him a shout out while he's there. Absolutely. <laughs> there, but I mean like, yeah, they were the best part of mode and soul. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, he was the glue for sure. I messaged and him this week and said you were coming on. And yes. I, I don't think I've seen him in about, oh, maybe a year now. Anyway, yep. I was like been to a couple of Torrens and we used to travel together to come up there and watched you. Yeah. Um, yeah. He sent you a funny question in, but I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> All right. Sweet. How good. Um, yeah. So then from there, it just ended up becoming to, to make it to make it as an elite athlete or a, 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 a professional yep. in the space. It just was requiring sole focus. Hmm. So I would wake up, I would hydrate, I would get fueled. I'd go and train for two and a half hours. I would come home. 
I would usually get caught up in it. And I think this is the reason why I never really attained in the first few years where I thought I needed to be um, in terms of rankings is that I would do my morning training and it'd be my sole purpose. But after that, I would get stuck doing work. And then, then I would have a bit of a lie down or a bit of a rest. And then I'd go back and do my PM session. But then my PM session was interrupted. You know, sometimes it wasn't, sometimes it was. And it was always just like, hey, can you fix this? Can you do that? And then it was like, I'm trying to train. And, you know, and so I tried to make it my sole focus. And back then I was like, this is the best I can do. Like I've really decreased my responsibility within business to try and qualify for the games. I eventually qualified. I qualified in 2016. Yep. Didn't do very well in 16, didn't do well in 17. I qualified these times, but I was still being distracted. It wasn't yeah. a sole focus. I'd made it, you know, 90% yeah. of a focus or 85% essentially. And then after that, I decided in 2018, 19, that it was going to be my sole focus. Mm. And I would take myself out of an environment that was distracting and I would put myself in training camps where I could, you know, solely focus on being an elite athlete. And it was all the difference. It made all the difference to, you know, to so becoming fitter, faster, stronger. So taking away the mental load. Yeah. Helps you train better too. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like if I was to ever, if, if, if someone said to me, like, what's required to go, put yourself into lockdown, put yourself into a yeah. training camp with some other good training partners and a great coach and go into lockdown and train. That's it. Your sole purpose is to wake up and train mm -hmm. and nothing gets in the way of that. You're not replying to emails. You're not, you're not, de you're not dealing with, um, you know, customer support. You're not doing any of that stuff. You are waking up with the sole purpose to get your body fitter, stronger, more mentally tough and getting prepped for the competition that you're about to do. That is it. And that's what you, if you want to be the best in the world, that's what you got to do. And it took me a while to do it because I, I was always, I always wanted more than just to be an athlete. I always wanted to be, I always wanted to be, um, I guess I'd always been an entrepreneur in the sense that I always worked for myself. I, I had I had a lot of jobs as a kid, but they were very transient. I'd be in and out very quickly. Yep. And I wanted to always, um, you know, be, I guess, be autonomous and, and free to do what I want to do. If I, you know, decide I want to fly somewhere and go surfing. I always wanted the ability to do that. And whilst I still don't have the ability just to like pick up and do that, the goal is to get to the point where I can go do the things that I really love and, and provide myself time and options. Yeah. And I always wanted to do that too at the same time as being an athlete. But I probably should have taken myself out of my current situation. If I really wanted to be the best I absolutely could have, I should have taken myself well and truly out of the current dynamic of where I sat myself to be a better athlete. But yeah. by the time I got to the point where, you know, my best year in 2019, coming fifth at World Games, it it was, you know, a long training camp leading up to the games and I was away from any responsibility other than to get fit. That's Where it. were you training for that? Were you still training at mode slash soul? Was it still, or did you no. take yourself away completely from the gym and go and train somewhere else? Yeah, I trained overseas. I trained in Canada. I trained oh. in Montreal. Yep. Yep. So it just yeah, took me. I took. Acclimatized as well, especially coming into the games being at that warmer time of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, you're kind of like, you're not too far away from where Madison is. And it, it just. There was a lot less to think about, and it's it's a strange it's a strange thing to try and I guess to um, to relate to. But during the day, you've you've got a, a limit of decisions that you can make, you know, quality decisions, 
And if you're trying to make, you know, good training decisions and also good business decisions and good um, relationship decisions and you're doing all these things, it's taking away from the, the, like the one goal. And if that one goal is yeah. to be number one in the world or what you're doing in professional sport, you got to have a team around you that understands that. It's a fairly selfish ordeal and journey, but um, it doesn't last forever. That's the thing. It doesn't last forever. Yeah. Um, and I guess like, term, like time to get a, the most gain out of it. So in Montreal, yeah. were you training with any of the athletes as well? Yeah, yeah. So in Montreal, I was training under Michelle Laton, who runs a program oh, called yeah, De- yeah. Comp. Yeah, Michelle. And I was training with um, Pat Velna, Laura Horvath, and Sam Cornier. And that was a really good camp. It, like, it really set the, set the scene for me to do well just because, you know, being with Pat, great dude. Like I get along with him really well. And, you know, after seeing Pat podium at the game so many times, um, and we're working out on a daily basis. It's like, oh, cool. I might be, you know, might be due for a top ten here if, um, if all things go well. Yeah. And I think it's just also a confidence booster too, just to understand that when you're you're slogging it out with the best in the world on a constant basis, rather than just being, you know, isolated in um, in your gym where you're just, you know, kind of, you know, racing yourself every day. You only get as good as yourself. But if you're yeah. you're versing the, you know best in the world whether it's you know male or female it's great yeah well i think ellie's been talking about this as in ellie turner's been talking about how training with justin has been so much better and yeah. you have that elite level to compete with on the daily so you have like a benchmark yeah so they're pretty much each other's benchmark because they're both good at so many different things exactly it's interesting to see that like the top 10 15 athletes in male and females who train with other elites are always up there and so are their teammates 100 percent yeah, yeah. it spurs you on. It understands, okay, it's like, okay, well, if if Tia is running to the bar from yeah. the barbell to do pull-ups, man, if I want to do well, I've got to run to the bar. Yeah, if, um, <laughs> yeah, if, um, if you know, um, if Pat is, you know, barbell cycling and doing those sets unbroken, I've got to go unbroken. Yeah. Um, whereas when you're by yourself, you're just like, oh, I could probably break that set up or I could, you know, maybe – take 10 seconds between my rope climb, but it's like, okay, no, they're reactive. They're faster here. Okay. Mm. This is the level that I need to get equipped with to understand when I work out, when I compete, I'm running to the bar. I'm touching going my, um, my barbell reps. I'm jumping straight back up up in the rope to get my rope climbs done, you know, three seconds faster per round. Like the big difference between being that first and 10th is like, yeah, great. You're strong and you're fit. But if you're walking between that barbell, that can lose you seconds and points in between I mean, placing in that workout. There's been countless times that I've come second or third yep. in, in an overall competition by two or three seconds. Crazy, hey? Yeah. yeah. So your highest uh, spot in CrossFit was your fifth in the world. Did you do any other like rogue or anything events around that time as well while you were over there? Nah, I never, I never got to do Rogue, which I'm a bit devastated about. Uh, I would have loved to have done it. I got invited twice and I couldn't go either time. Oh. Um, one of them was the online in 2020, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I probably should have done it because it was all online and they sent you a full kit of gear. So I probably should have just said yes and done it. <laughs> just but I didn't want to do even. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't want to do the – I wasn't super fit at the time. Um, I wasn't super strong. And it was on American time too, right? So you would have been having to compete at like weird hours of the morning and night. Yeah, it was like 1 a.m., 1 a.m. workouts and stuff. And I was like, you know what? 
no thanks. Not worth it. Yeah. Um, so I decided not to, and then, um, but I have done I have done Waterpalooza a few times now, and I've enjoyed each time. Like I've done it in team. I did individual back in 2015, and then I did team in 2021. I yeah, think it was twenty. Boys. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty one or twenty oh twenty twenty two maybe, yeah. and um, yeah, that was great. We ended up coming second, so can't complain. And I actually didn't do bugger all training leading up to that. I think I, I did some powerlifting and did next to no fitness. And yeah, luckily I just had a fit team, so it worked Are out you, well. Uh, heading into that in early next year, or you giving? Uh, potentially, potentially. It just kind of depends. Uh, you know, I'm so busy. I'm so busy with um, with work at the moment. It's been, you know, it, it occupies me so much. And to to do anything well, obviously, I learned this lesson when I was doing CrossFit that if I spread, if you spread yourself too thin, you do everything poorly. So um, everything is going to be subpar. And I want to do everything I everything I do. I want to do world class. And if it's you know running a business, I want to run a business world class. And if it's competing, I want to compete world class. So there are things that. Yeah, so there are things that you can say yes to, and, and I'm a very much a yes man. I say yes to everything, and that's probably shoot, I shoot myself in the foot a lot. Yeah. So, um, whilst I need I need a challenge in sport, mm. it's choosing the right challenges. It's choosing a challenge that I can commit to that's not going to take away from my business because my business and you know my relationships are my priority. So I need to be able to say yes to something that's not going to be a drain. It's not going to um, be be a, a burden on yeah. my lifestyle. Talking about challenges, can we just quickly talk about your uh, world record attempt that you did with 120 kipping pull-ups? Oh, yeah. That's... How did you train for that? Well, I, well to be honest, did, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't do around? any training at all. No, I did no training for that. It was actually... It was just on a whim, to be honest. I went into the gym one morning and, again, like for the last two years, I've been doing roughly four, on average, four sessions, four CrossFit sessions a week. I would go to the gym. I would do 5.30 a.m. class, maybe four sessions a week, in, maybe in, mostly in the last like 12 months really. Prior to that, it might be three times a week and it would be like sporadic. Um, and I did a bit of triathlon training, did a bit of biking, a bit of running, a bit of swimming. Um, but no structure, like after the 2021, uh, demo team, I kind of just thought, you know what, I'm just going to try and focus on business and I'll just keep myself reasonably fit. Um, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. put any emphasis on it. Comes up again. Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep myself reasonably fit. And, and so I ended up just doing classes for the last like six months, um, just at the local CrossFit gym at raw. And I was just doing, yeah, four days a week and I'd run on a Sunday. That was kind of my structure and schedule. And then uh, someone gave me a pair of their frog grips and said, oh, yeah. oh like I borrowed, a set, I borrowed a set of frog grips from a mate of mine at the gym, Geordie, and the workout was an old workout from the games. It was 100 pull-ups, 70 GHD sit-ups, box jumps, or pistols, box jumps or something or other. Yeah. Um, anyway. So I jumped up on the pull-up bar and it was 100 pull-ups and I thought oh, I might just go, you know, 40, 40, 30, 20, 10 or something like that. And I jumped up and I got to 50, felt fine. And I was like, strange. And so then I got to 60 and I felt fresh and I was like, what's going on? Surely I've got only five more left in me. Yeah. Got to 70, felt good. Got to 80, felt good. Got to 90, felt good. I was like, what is going on? Like I had no idea. Like... 
I hadn't done any specific training, haven't followed a program for years. And then I got to 100 and jumped off the bar because the 100 was done. That's a and I thought to, And I thought to myself, that was super strange. I don't even want to finish the workout because I'm completely mind blown that I hit 100. <laughs> and I think my previous best was back in 2012 or 13. I did maybe mm-hmm. 70. And But in any recent time, like... 2015, 16, I was a bit lighter, pull-ups are pretty good. I got like 60, 65, and I thought that was epic. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, "Mm, I reckon I could have done maybe another 10 more. Yeah. So I just thought after that video, uh, Frog Grips reached out and was like, hey, let's do something. And I said, yeah, okay, cool. I said maybe a good launch video is me having a crack at just maxing the pull-ups out. Yeah. And so I didn't really put any emphasis on it. To be honest, I'd actually just done a competition. Um in New Zealand and after New- after the New Zealand comp, I was pretty run down. I was feeling a bit crook, a bit sick. I wasn't feeling myself. I had a bit of a cold and it got to the Friday and I was competing at uh, Turf Games on the Saturday and Sunday and I had to get I had to get these videos filmed and I just said to Vakey, a good friend of mine, I just said, oh, mate, I'm not warming up. I was like, let's just get up here and get this thing filmed. I just, I need to... I need to just chill for the rest of the day because I'm not feeling great. I've just been, you know, I've been traveling for the last nine weeks mm. and I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit run down. Um, there's a bit of a story after that as well, so I'll explain that too. Okay. Um, and I'm just like, let's just do it. So I just jumped up and I just started and, again, yeah, just kind of kept ticking over. I was yep. confident that I could get to like 80 or 90 pretty well and if I got over 100, stoked. Ended up getting to 100 and... 13 butterflies and then finished the last seven to get to 120 kipping um, regular kip. and then yeah just I think to be honest like I think the grip does help a lot I think froggies did make a big difference you know your hand being stuck in one spot um, because that's such a good grip um, but then also becoming really relaxed in in the in the pool like don't rush from the start take it slow be yeah. smooth be just be just be flowy that helped a lot and I kind of felt really good like it just didn't it just kind of felt like if you know i think really fresh um without i already had bicep doms from the weekend previous we did a bunch of chest of our pull-ups at the comp in new zealand and so i'd kind of been jumping up there with 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 doms still from that weekend um and because my training is fairly sporadic these days like my doms last four days like four days rather than back when i was training full-time you never get doms anymore yeah um and yeah, look, I think given given an opportunity, fresh, fresh with maybe a month of you know just working on some capacity, and you know without without feeling a bit off and without feeling you know a bit coldy and fluy, I reckon you know maybe 140 is doable. I Are think. Are going to try it out or? Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll see because post that and then going straight into another comp. So basically, I did High Rocks event. Yep. Indonesia. High Rocks event, somewhere else, I think Sydney, oh no, Melbourne. Then I did something else and then went to New Zealand and then there was another thing on. And then, yeah, it was it was like a manic eight weeks, nine weeks of competition and running uh, fiber stand. Yeah. I ended up getting that weekend at Turf Games. I think I just run myself into the ground. Lots of flights, yeah. lots of travel. Um, ended up getting glandular fever. So I got glandular and it's been six weeks since then. So... I've only done maybe four or five sessions in the last week. This is my first week back training. So yeah. it kind of put it it put it in perspective. Whilst I eat well, I you know, I exercise, I try and get good sleep. 
if you're burning the candle from both ends and yeah. you get your immune system so run down that you're just, you know, you're just running on fumes at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, it's going to catch up to you. And I kind of, it was like a blessing in disguise because it put me, it put things in perspective for me. So yeah, that's now I, because the last couple of podcasts we've had a few people on and burnout has seemed to be quite a like important factor in everybody's lives at the moment. Hence being so late in the year and coming towards Christmas, everybody's burning coming to yeah. the end and just trying to push through. Yeah, well, that's it. And the thing is, like, I wanted to, I don't want to, you know, for the business, It, it's all, like, I don't want, if I've got the ability and the drive and the passion and I want to get out of bed early and I want to work on it every day because it's fun and it's exciting and I'm, yeah. and I'm having a blast doing it and it's given me such good opportunities to meet great people and have cool experiences, Yeah, I want to do that every day. And you just push the boundary. And every time someone says, hey, can you come do something here? And, and do you want to do this? And do you want to run that? And do you want to jump into this comp? I'm just like, yeah, let's freaking go because every time I say yes to something, it's another cool experience. And then yeah. you've got to discern what is what is going to be worth it for you because at the end of the day, if you don't look after number one, which is yourself, everything yeah. else is going to suffer. And I think I just said yes to one too many things and that just allowed you know me to run my immune system into the ground. And it's just a lot of flying. Like when you're flying, when you're going interstate every weekend or sometimes twice a week, and you're trying to, you know, you get off a plane, you go run it, you go throw down, you do five events in a day, then you get back on a plane, you go somhere else. Yeah. And you do that it's for like long enough. Flyers look good, but nothing else looks good. <laughs> no, no. And I have a blast doing all these things. And I, and again, I get fear of missing out and I want to say yes to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but it does, it does burn the candle. Yeah. Talking about your career, what's your like biggest highlight out of everything you've done? So is in athlete or business, anything? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I think I think creating for <laughs> I think fifth at the fifth at the World Games was like one of the things that, you know, I'll always remember. I had a blast yeah. doing that and I felt like, you know, the better part of ten years all came to a it came to a, this one moment, ten years of work had, had paid off. Yeah. So I think that's probably my most memorable time, but you know, creating fiber has also been something that's, you know, bring has brought me so much joy and experience that, yeah. you know, that's also something that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about every day. Um, so those two things and probably the most fun, fun I've ever had a competition would have been the 2017 Invitational in Melbourne where we won that comp. How good. So yeah. talking about your like highest level in CrossFit, if you could tell your younger self like five things to go and help you become a good athlete or somebody who's now looking to become an athlete, not necessarily in just CrossFit or anything, what would you tell them? I would tell them number one thing that you have to do no matter what is be consistent. You have to be whatever your craft that you're working on, work on it every day for as long as you can for as, as much as your body will allow you to work on it and that's what's going to help get you there consistency is key even if you get into the gym or you get into the pool or you get onto the golf course or the or the tennis court if you're not feeling 100 percent and you're you know your body's not really responding and you're not at the point where you're just like man i'm super burned out but you're just not feeling it you just you know you're just going through one of those phases you know still get on the court and just run through it at 50 or 60%, work on a yeah, skill instead of working on endurance or whatever it may be. But every day, work on it every day. Like consistency yeah. is number one. If you do it every day, you'll be great. And and master the basics. Like 
whatever the basics are, just train them and train them and train them and train them and train them. That's what's going to help. Number two would be uh, build build a really understanding and supportive network of people around you that are going to understand that your task and your job and your goal is selfish, yeah. but they're okay with it because they know that that's your dream and that's your goal and they're happy to be there for you to do and it. And like you said, it's only for the short term. It's not going to be forever. No, it's a... A, a potentially a, a ten a ten year period of your life, but yeah. you've got to, people got to be on board with that too. Um, if they're not on board with it and that's your goal, then you need to find new, new crew. People, yeah. Um, and then on another another thing is make sure you're doing it because you love it. Like do it because you love it. Do it because do it for a reason that you love. Like if if you get such joy and excitement and thrill out of doing triathlon, do triathlon. If if mm. you're if you're just better at tennis and you're doing it because you know your dad or your mom or your brother or whatever wants you to do it and you don't like doing it at all yeah don't bother like do the yeah yeah, do the stuff that you enjoy and you know and that you're passionate about and so you chase chase your own dreams and probably that would probably be the thing that i've been really luckily enough lucky enough to always have support from my family about that it was just like hey you don't want to play footy anymore Cool, do whatever. You're like that's fine. Like go, yeah. go, go do this CrossFit thing that we've never heard of. Um, so yeah, those probably those three things. Um, and then uh, probably a fourth thing that I'd probably tell myself is, um, you know, have confidence in your own ability and believe in yourself. I think that's pretty common. Um, yeah. And you know, whatever I've worked on um, and given one hundred percent focus to is, it has turned out pretty well. So have have confidence that whatever you set your mind to, you're probably going to do pretty well. And don't, you know, you don't have to be staring at the ceiling, just wondering and, and thinking, oh, what if this all just turns to shit? Um, because it'll all work out at the end of the day. It's always going to, and you've got a good support network around you. And then the fifth thing is um, always kind of keep, uh, always carry yourself with, you know, keeping your values as a high priority. Like if, you know, being humble is a high priority, make sure you're always humble. You're always, you, you know, you take, you take loss. You take a loss with with grace, and you don't get frustrated to the point where it you know seeps out onto the competition floor. Like you can be upset and angry about not doing well, but yeah, always but make sure that <laughs> yeah, keep that keep that <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you want to be humble. You want to be humble in wins, and you know humble in losses too. Um, yep. I think that's another thing that you know I'd probably like to see more of. A lot of people do do it, but there are some people out there that just, you know, crack the shits if they don't do well and it's just like, yeah, oh, well, they're a tennis racket on the court. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, um, yeah, time and place. Going back to when you first started becoming like an elite level, where did the sponsorships come in? So I know a lot of like young athletes these days, do people approach you or did you start approaching people before you started getting really big? Um, no, I had people approach me in the beginning, which was really cool. Um, I actually, actually, my first sponsorship came from one of my dad's friends when I was playing rugby league. He gave me $500 to go towards my gym membership. He was a concreter on oh, as a bricklayer. Yeah. And, um, he gave me $500 for my yearly gym membership as a 12 year old. And I had to just wear singlets to the gym with his bricklaying company on there. It was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was like, that was mega. And then for CrossFit, my first one came in 2015 through the Wadlife. They just said, hey, we'd like to supply with some grips and some wrist wraps and some knee sleeves and stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then 
you know, once you start cracking the games and as you start opening up into, you know, game scenario and you're at a high level and, and people are following you to see how you're getting there and, and your journey and, and seeing what type of training you're doing and, you know, eyes are on you to do that stuff. Yeah. People start, you know, giving you money and paying you to, to be able to represent their brand and to grow, help grow their business at the same time. So that started coming when you start getting to the games and, and that's the other thing. I think another, another thing that I would say to, say to young athletes um, if you're in it for the sponsorships and you're in it for the, the name on the back of the t-shirt and you're in and it for and, and getting the free the free the free gear and the free knee sleeves and all that type of stuff you're in it for the, for the wrong reasons and you won't do well you'll do terrible and I've seen it so many times people in it for the wrong reasons and if you're not if you're not doing it because you love to push yourself and you love to see what your body's made of and then you love yeah. to compete and you're fiercely competitive because yeah. that's what you love then you know, then you need to have a, a rethink on why you're doing these things. Yeah. And um, so how important to you was it to get these brands to align with what you believed in? So was there many brands that you just felt like it didn't work and then you had to turn them down? Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. But in the beginning, like anyone said, hey, we're going to give you some free gear. I was like, yeah, yeah let's yeah. freaking go. Let's <laughs> like, I don't care if I've never heard of the brand, let's freaking do it. Um, <laughs> but then eventually when you start to understand that when you start putting together you know, uh, social social media posts and reels and you start to get behind brands, it becomes more and more prominent that you need to really align with them and be and yeah. you need to you need to be speaking the same language. And if you're not, unless the brand has visions to get to where you guys kind of meet and they can express that, because some yeah. don't always start that way, but they end up turning out that way. It's very hard to um it's very hard to, you know, to talk with passion about something that you're not passionate about. Yeah. Um, exactly. And it, and it comes through and then, you know, you just don't want to be, you know, shilling brands that you don't, you don't, you're not super aligned with and that's fine. And then you obviously get to the point where you just say, you know what, it's not really on my wavelength. I appreciate it, but you know, yeah. um, it's not really, it's not really what I'm about, but I love what, like, I think what you're doing is cool. You're building a brand, you're building a business, but yeah. that brand of business is not really on my wavelength. So thanks, yeah. thanks, but no thanks. And I hope you find someone that does. Yeah, so in terms of brands, who are you uh, going with at the moment? Obviously, yeah, so some LSKD, um, Fit Aid. So LSKD, Fit Aid. Before you speak, coffee, Frog Grips, and then and then I have my own brand. My own. I've got two of my own brands that I kind of um, uh, uh, obviously heavily heavily aligned with. And now it's getting to the point where I'm not going to be competing at the world class level forever and ever, um, unless I end up going into masters or something like that, which you know I'm not super keen on. But then you know Fiber and Laboy's like a swimwear brand that I've, I've done with a mate and a, a plant based supplement company that I've set up here on the Gold Coast. So um, they're they're my main ones. And you know the cool thing about you know Fit Aid, I've been working with them since like 2015, 16. Yeah, they've always been so good to me, um, and they're a really a really wholesome brand that I really love. Frog Grips are my newest brand. Um, they're just a really cool Aussie company that are just, you know, just turned up, had a crack and are making great product and I just love how good their products are. Do you um, like but, um, supporting like South or Australian companies more than like international ones now? Yeah, look, I think supporting Australian companies is is always a really cool thing to do, especially being Aussie. It's closer to home. Um, I don't mind getting behind brands overseas because the way that I see it, I kind of feel like we're all one. Like we, we might have borders, we might have different continents, we might have different countries. But at the end of the day, I think if we can decrease the amount of separation that we put between everyone, I think that's better. And, you know, if someone's out there. A sport that's an international sport anyway as well, it doesn't really matter where you're from. 
No, it doesn't. And I, I think it's nice supporting supporting local. Like, I think supporting local um, is great, but I'll, I support a good person. Like, I'll support a great brand. I'll support a brand with a vision that I align with. And, and, I, and I love to see people having a crack. So, like, that's what I love about Froggies. And then, like, before you speak coffee, the crew up there, they're local here. They're, like, an hour from me. Um, they're just, a, they're just a, a good bunch of people that I just get along really well with. They make good products that I love and I use every day. And yeah. same thing with LSKD. They're local here. They're, they're 40 minutes from me. They make great clothes. They've got a good vibe. They're into what I'm into, which is multi-sport and athleisure. Yeah. And that, there's also just a, a really cool story that I'm, you know, I'm fired up about. Like the way that, you know, the team have built the business there. I'm inspired by that and I want to be a part of it. So they're the yeah. types of brands that I like to work with. Yeah, um, so be that 1% better every day. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. And, you know, that's at the, at the moment my, you know, my main focus um, in terms of business and competition is working on is working on my business and trying to make sure that I can build it into a brand that helps to educate and supply people with, you know, the best products on earth. So Yeah. So you've spoken a lot about fiber in other podcasts, but let's talk about Le Bois. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, Le Bois is a swimwear brand that I originally started with Khan. Um, He's a good friend of mine. We've been been competing together since 2012. And we were traveling around Europe doing some competitions and we kept wearing the budgie smugglers to a lot of the swim events that we were doing. And we just kept getting asked about them. Just kept saying, oh, what are these things? What are these things? Like, oh, local, you know, local Aussie brand blah, blah, blah. And then we were in the airport in Copenhagen and I said to Khan, I was like, we should do our own swimwear, man. Like we should just do our own dickies and yeah. we should call it Le Boys because that was kind of like the tagline of the, the trip that we were on. Everybody just mm-hmm. like, we just kept calling it Le Boys were on all the time <laughs> because we were, either, we were either partying or we were competing. So it was sick. <laughs> and uh, we, we ended up, I, I said, he goes, yeah, that's a great idea. And then I said, I'm serious. I'm going to do it as soon as we get back. And then as soon as I got back, I started pulling the feelers out there to try and source material, source product, source where we could get it made, all that type of stuff. And then we just kicked it off from there. And then we've recently just had an absolute legend of a guy, Louis, jump aboard. He does all our socials. He does a lot of the photography, pretty much everything. And, and now he's a, an owner of the business too. So there's Louis, Khan, and myself. And it's a, it's a sick company because it's all about – being more you and if you want to express yourself in a, a really uh, introverted way you can express yourself introvertedly if you want to be super extroverted you can just be who you are and um, and you know be a part of community that's all about being who you are as much as possible and also being around what we love which is the beach getting in the ocean surfing um, so and just good. being around a good, being around a good culture um, and that's kind of what it was all about just creating cool a cool brand that we align with that we can share you know, stories around and if we can, and if, you know, if Le Bois allows us to do the things that we want to do, you know, if it can allow us to go do a cool shoot in the Maldives or we get to surf and we get to take cool pictures and we get to, you know, maybe shout some people a trip there to have a good time, that's an experience that we want to have and that's what we're, I'm all about the experience and if that experience is cool, it's fascinating, it fires me up, I get excited about it, why not? So good. All right, the next question is, so name a sliding door moment in your life so far. So where have you opened a door and you took it in your life in a completely different direction? Yeah, so probably uh, a big sliding door moment was 
uh, actually going up to Gladstone. Like after 2017, I wanted to quit CrossFit. I didn't do I didn't do any training for about five months. I was off it. Didn't want to compete. Didn't want to didn't want to even look at the gym. And then my partner at the time, Kayla, she booked me a flight to go to Gladstone to train with Shane and Tia, um, just because right. I wasn't training, wasn't happy, couldn't get back the mojo that I had to to train and compete and to do all the things, just because I felt pressure from every other aspect of my life, and it was just like too much pressure. Um, I can't hold it all together. Um, there's a lot of weight on the shoulders. And then so taking myself out of my stressful environment, putting myself up there, reignited some fire, took a lot of the pressure and stress away. That was a sliding door moment. If I didn't go up there, I wouldn't have competed in 2018. I wouldn't have competed in 2019. I would have never have gotten my fifth place. Yeah, that was a sliding door moment. If I didn't take that path, I probably would have almost never crossfitted another day in my life, I reckon. Wow, that's crazy. And so going back to an athlete again, what is something that you wish that you did differently? I wish <laughs> that I figured out the the recipe for what I needed as an athlete to be the best earlier. So okay. yep. I, I wish I wish I had I wish I had understood the requirements of what I needed to do to be the best athlete and that was to literally go into isolation. Yeah. for training for a good like not all year round don't get me wrong not all year yeah. round but you know before every before the lead up you know probably six weeks after the open essentially after the open through to the games yeah. i am off limits to anything else apart from training that's so what i that's what i should have done August. yeah but instead i would always get you know i would get four weeks out from regionals and then i would start tapering off my work outside of training um, but I should have done it earlier. I should have, you know, I should have gotten out of Adelaide. I should have gone on a training camp yep. and I should have done that camp until the games. Yes. And I think I would have, I would have had better, better outcomes. Yeah. Fair enough. And the mental side of training at this kind of level, what kind of strategies did you take to help train and keep it the high level of performance? The number one thing I think is visualization. If you can visualize and you can manifest what you want to happen, or what you believe you can achieve. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful way to build confidence. Number one, the rehearsal of the event, the rehearsal of how you move, the rehearsal of how you muscle up, the, how you run, how you breathe, how you pick up the barbell, how am I going to transition from the ring muscle up down to the pull-up bar, down to the barbell, down to the GHD, and then back, and how am I going to run? Am I going to run fast? Am I going to run slow? I'm going to take a breath here. I'm going to stop. You got to rehearse that stuff back to back. That's a great way to build confidence, and that's a really good way to understand what the body's going to feel. So when you get out there and you do feel those things, feel it, feel it in a way that's easy, feel it in a way that's moderately hard, feel it in a way that is terribly hard, and then whatever scenario pops up, you've been there, you've done it, you've understood it. It's not a shock. You've already been there and you've done it, so you're not yeah. going to get. It's like you're not going to get out there and go, "Wow, I didn't expect this bad." It's like, "Oh well, I actually visualized this happening." I'm fine, I'm okay, and it's reassurance that you're okay. So before um, a big event, did you look at the workouts and kind of practice them through before you went out on the stage, whether that was like the week before or behind in the warm-up area? Oh, as soon as the workout came out, I would go into the float tank and I would sit there and I would rehearse that workout back to front 100 times and then I'd get out and I'd do the same thing the next time another workout popped up. And then I would constantly think about it and think about it and think about it about how it's going to feel, what the sets are going to look like and all that type of stuff. Like it was a lot of rehearsal, mental rehearsal. Yeah, fair enough. When you were in your elite kind of athlete stage, uh, what kind of supplements and stuff were you taking? 
like would you say that for somebody like training in their crossfit gym would you also recommend them to be taking heaps of supplements or pulling it back just to the protein checks yeah look i think people can overdo supplements a lot i think there's yeah i feel like that's really spoken about at the moment yeah i think people can overdo it i don't think you need every supplement in the world to be good i think you you know supplements are the you know but one to five percent of your extra gain like and then you can, you can be specific with the supplements too. So let's just say you get a blood test and you're super low in iodine or you're super low in zinc or you're super low in iron or you're super low in magnesium. Then you can specifically supplement with magnesium. But then there are a few staple things that I think are going to be a benefit to everybody. Yeah. You know, I think some type of multivitamin mineral um, trace mineral supplement is always going to be a bit of a bonus just depending on where you get your produce from. Um, if you're eating local organic produce, you're probably going to get high mineral content typically. Um, you're also going to be getting a lot less um, herbicides and pesticides on your food going into your system. So, But I think essentially over the course of time, the way that we farm, we're not always getting as much vitamin C and as much of those phytonutrients that we would be getting back in the day. So topping up on just a broad general spectrum multivitamin mineral supplement is good for most people. Yeah. Um, and then, and then be, what are you taking when you're at your elite standard? Yep. So then when I was competing, uh, always a protein, always creatine monohydrate. I'd always have some type of omega, omega EPA, DHA. Um, I, what else did I have? Um, Did you feel like because you were training so much that you had to take any kind of pre-workouts as well? Nah, I got off pre-workout after I stopped playing football. So when I was playing footy, I used to pump the pre-workouts just to go into the gym and lift weights. Then I stopped and I just had a had you know double shot coffee instead. So I was doing you know just a a strong almond almond milk latte or or a macchiato or piccolo or something like that. But yeah, no, just coffee. Coffee was kind of like my pre-workout, and then I would have some creatine. And that was pretty much it. Yeah, cool. And um, what's the difference between training in SA in Queensland? Obviously, the weather is a lot better up there to be able to train. <laughs> Do you find yeah, any differences? Oh, 100%. It's like hot. It's humid. It's humid all year round. You're sweating a lot. You definitely sweat more here. Um, but I would rather train always leading into a competition in a hot climate than a cold climate. Because yeah. number one, we're typically when we compete, we're competing in a hot climate and you want to be – stress and heat adapted and it also brings about you know probably better metabolic effects in terms of fitness by competing and training in those hot climates so i'd definitely rather go from hot to cold than cold to hot or you know that's that's kind of the way i'd rather train in the uh, train in the heat compete in the heat or compete in the cold than train in the cold and compete in either or you know it's just like every every aspect is going to be better for you a few of the people who I've like spoken to who competed in like any types of Ironman or a triathlon have said exactly the same thing. They'd love yep. to train like the wetsuits on in the inside pool and get ready for the, the hot weather or oh, train yeah. in the hot weather so they can race anywhere in the world. Yeah, they go, they go and race. You go and racing in Kona. Mm. It's hot as shit. And if you get yeah. out there, you get out there and you're not adapted to the heat, it will rock you. You'll do. It'll be. You you will you will start questioning your fitness, and that's yeah, you had, can't um, have that. We had a triathlon coach on two episodes ago, and he said it was nuts. Like the people who you would have thought, like the Germans and a lot of the Europeans, didn't heat train properly, and they're the ones on the side of the track of stopped and getting pulled out the race. Yeah, 
yeah, it's um, it's a shock when you're just like something's not right with my body. Yeah, that's that's when you know you're not in a you're not in the place you need to be. Yeah, and let's go. Uh, do you want to have a quick chat about your bobsled career that you went into there? Yeah, so I really it was about, about that. Nah, nah. It it was like it was a fun time. It was a memory. Um, it, <laughs> it was a fun time for the most part. Um, but bobsled was basically just on a whim. I think it was twenty twenty one or twenty twenty. Can't really remember, but <laughs> basically, I thought, you know what? There's no CrossFit happening at the moment. I think it was 2020. There's no CrossFit happening. What else can I do? And then I kind of saw bobsled. I was like, I wonder what's required for bobsled. And it's like, okay, you got to be fast. You got to be fairly strong. How do they train? Oh, they like to do power cleans. They like to sprint. Well, I like all those things. So then I just end up finding someone who was an ex-Australian bobsledder and said, hey, what's the go with this? And he goes, mate, you will love this sport. You like adrenaline? You like to go fast? You like to sprint and lift weights? Yes. And then he just put me in contact with the guy who was running the, um, the selection process. And he goes, mate, we've got selection in like two months' time. You want to come? I was like, yep. Mm-hmm. So I went down there. It was like throw a shot put, do a 30-meter sprint, do a big heavy back squat for a triple, couple other things, couple power cleans and did pretty well at that stuff. Um, and given the, um, you know, the, the pool of people doing it is fairly slim here in Australia. I ended up just getting a call after that from the, the pilot, the guy who steers the bobsled saying, Hey mate, I need a brakeman for Germany for the first month or two. Um, before the other team, before the rest of the team gets here, do you want to come be my brakeman? I was like, yeah, for sure. So I just got on a plane like two weeks later and went to Germany and we raced, uh, like Winterberg, Altenburg, um, and then so the other fun. boys. Were, yeah, it was cool. Like it was really cool. Then, um, yeah, the other boys arrived, and then we ended up doing four man bobsled um, in Innsbruck. Oh, and, I mean, yeah. skiing it is actually so nice. It's wild. One I of the coolest places I've ever been. January twenty twenty. <laughs> you what? I was there January twenty twenty skiing and uh, just outside of Innsbruck. Really? Yeah, seriously. Ah, I epic! I think Australia Day, and we were like all these Australians because I was on a Kentucky tour, and we were like all celebrating Australia Day on the slopes. That's sick. sick. Yeah, <laughs> Innsbruck is wild. So that was a really cool trip. Look, I think I think with bobsled, being in Australia, it doesn't have a big um, it doesn't have big backing. So you know, for to to be serious in bobsled, you need year upon year upon year of experience, and then you also need for every season you need three hundred grand. 400 right. grand for the team. That's another expensive sport to chase. Yeah. And like we didn't have that at all. Like it kind of relied on the pilot to to buy the bobsled and, you know, relied on him to, to book um, like time on the ice and, yeah. it, you know, you're traveling around. It's an expensive time. Like every – and then you also try and support yourselves individually and every individual person, you know, it's got to fork out – tens and tens of thousands of dollars to go and do it so it's an expensive it's an expensive sport to go and suck at you know what i mean so <laughs> but worth it worth going yeah to the experience is worth it. it the experience is well worth it and you know hey maybe one day when um you know if fiber kicks off and it does really well fiber can put in an australian bobsled team and it can be the it can be the <laughs> sponsor track? of the team yeah, the who knows? Like, of Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, maybe that can happen one day because I'd like to go back there and do it again for sure. Um, yeah, and I think I would. Yeah, I think I would really enjoy it. I think just you know, when you do the sport like that, and every day you wake up wondering how you might, you know, might pay for runs. You know, the, the, yeah. the, like 
it's or like how we might get to the next event you know are we going to be able to afford to get to the next event or are we going to be able to find a bobsled in time like that stuff is stressful um but so if you could do it and have everything aligned and everything kind of you know catered for then it'd be a, it'd be a sick thing to do with you know some, <laughs> some mates that were you know fast and okay for you know keen to get down on the track and go go quick are you bringing Khan in for the team or? Yeah, I'm sure he would fire up for it. I think it'd, that'd be like, I would like to just go do some fun stuff after, you know, like I, my, at the moment, head down, bum up with, with the businesses and, and my sole purpose is to try and again, like I said before, I just want to make a platform. I want to build a platform that's educational for people to jump into and I also want to make the best products in the world. And that just takes a lot of time. So yeah. I'm having a blast doing it. And that's my sole purpose. But once that's, you know, once, you know, we've kind of achieved what we want to there. And I'm sure there'll always be the, and you'll set the goalpost back even further. Yeah. But, you know, once that's done and you've got some free time to go and really hook into some other stuff that fires you up, maybe bobsled's on the list. <laughs> and um, I'm looking for any tips on uh, Ironman Busso. I've heard you've done it. And what would you yeah. say? Yeah, I've done. <laughs> yeah, I've done Ironman Busso twice. Um, I have to say, it was mega fun. Like, is it that was a memory? That's a memory forever and ever that I'll never forget. And I had such fond memories of doing it. Um, Honestly, I'm not even joking. I reckon I've talked about Ironman Busso in every podcast for the last like ten episodes because I'm yeah. half next year. Oh, you 100 percent should like. <laughs> It's a bucket list item and I've always wanted to do one. And then when Busso came up, I was like, yeah, we're going to do Busso. It's a flat track. It'll be, you know, a good one to just, you know. Oh, that's what I'm excited about, the flatness of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a flat track and it's super quick. And if you get it, like some days it's a bit windy. Like the last time I did it was windy as hell. But the first time I did it, it was calm, which was great. And But I didn't do, like, the thing with triathlon is I love doing them and I have a blast doing them. I love going out there and enjoying it. But I've never really put in more than seven to ten hours a week of triathlon training, really, that's like even leading up to amount. That's a perfect amount. All the people I've spoken to have said, yeah, like you're 10 to 15 hours. But if you're doing other stuff like lifting weights and stuff, seven to ten is fine. Yeah. Like I was kind of like on average, most weeks were like, yeah, seven hours a week. So, yeah. you know, I might, I might cycle for, you know, I might do four hours of cycling. I might do... Um, you know, split up between, you know, sometimes I just do two hours on a Saturday and then two one-hour rides and they just might be commutes. So it might be commuting to and from the gym or something like that. Yeah. And then um, and then I'll probably run once or twice a week for an hour, maybe if that, less, and then I'd swim for an hour or 90 minutes each week. Yeah, nice. All right, good question. What's the importance of having sausage dogs in your life? Well, they just bring you so much joy little sweetie yeah they just honestly they just they just bring yeah. you so much joy she's the best yeah i this morning i went for a run and i probably saw 12 or 13 sausage dogs i reckon no that's so good we went for a walk this morning and then went for a coffee with some friends and um she literally barks at everybody who walks past <laughs> yeah they'll do that they'll do they'll that for sure that. yeah We have a, a few listener questions that we put out the other day. Yeah, for sure. Hit me. All right. The first one. So they said, ask James if it's true, if he used to sign up at every sport at high school so he could avoid wearing his blazer and tie. Yes. 
Yes, every day was every day was PE day. You want to guess where that came from? <laughs> my dad, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the every day, every so we had two uniforms. We had regular school uniform and PE uniform. Yeah, and I just used to wear PE uniform every day, and then every day that I didn't have PE, I would get asked by a teacher, "Show me your timetable and show me that you've got PE today." And I'd oh have to God, show I them. Did exactly the same thing, and I was like, I actually to the point I didn't even own the formal uniform because I hated wearing it. Yeah, and I used to get, to get sent home to get changed. I used to get sent home to get changed all the time. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Um, the next one was, how do you juggle your fitness and your business so well? Um, it's a it's a forever it's a forever challenging task, <laughs> and it's, I'm always trying to get better at it. But what I've tried to do is to understand that. I essentially have four pillars or four foundational things that sit above the business and they're things that keep me sane. They're things that keep me healthy. They're things that keep me in check. So I know that I'm better at business and I make more, I make more appropriate decisions if I get up and I train in the morning. So get up and I train and I make sure I limit the time. I'm not sitting around the gym wasting time. I get into the gym I do my hour class and I get out and I get to work, but I can finish the day off feeling good about it. I also make sure that I prioritize sleep as much as possible. You're never perfect. You're never going to get, you know, your 8.5 hours every single night. You know, for the last couple of months, I haven't hit even eight hours. I'm getting seven and a half most nights, yeah, but yeah. it's just like you just do the best you can, but it is, the thing is, at least it's on your mind and you know that this is a priority and if you can just be a bit better. So... Yeah. I know that sleep has to be on point. My friendship circle has to be on point. My training each day has to be on point, whether it's four days a week, five days a week, or six days a week. It just has to, I have to get something in most days. And then um, making sure my nutrition's on point. So those things are factors of my human self that I need to uh, address before I address the business. You know, and just lately, because we have been very busy with fiber and very busy with the boys, I have been getting up a bit earlier to do work for an hour before I go to training. But the training, the training has to take priority. But again, the last five weeks, I've been off with glandular fever. So there hasn't been much training happening at all. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the key. It's, uh, it's, about, it's about understanding what is, my, what is my priority? What do I want to achieve over the next 12 months, 24 months? And that is to build a beautiful business that people really align with. So my day is revolving around that. But how do I allow that to happen? That is maintaining fitness because I need it, maintaining good nutrition because I need it, maintaining good friendship circles because I need it, uh, and maintaining good sleep patterns because if I'm not sleeping well, your immune system gets run down and then you can't do any business. So that's just you got to figure out what your foundational priorities are and make sure you spend time on those each day. Lovely. So what's next in terms of the fitness side? Somebody wants to know if you're going to compete in anything in the next year. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's um, popped up a few times. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, I've, um, I've been having many conversations with Khan of late and maybe a couple other people about throwing a team into the CrossFit game space next year and seeing that if we can qualify. one of the questions saying, if you set up a team, who's your teammates? <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, your dream team. So no matter who you're going to take in next year, hypothetically, if you could take a team to the games, who would you ask? No matter if they're still competing or anything, who's on your team? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, the thing is, 
the th- the thing with this one is I would prefer to go to the games these days. Yep. Maybe if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, yeah, you, you put hands down the best athletes in the world that you get along with. You yep. know, there might be number one, number two, number three, number four in the world yep. that you could choose from. But if you get along better with number 15 in the right. world or number 20 in the world or number 30 in the world, you will have a better team if you're cohesive. So that's a tough one because there's a very broad spectrum there. But we have, Khan and I have thrown around the idea of putting a team together and we've also been in touch with a couple other people to join that team. So we're not announcing, <laughs> we're not announcing that just yet, but it's going to, it's coming. It'll be probably, we'll probably try and chuck something up in the next few weeks. Yeah. But you know, the, the whole idea of this team is to go and have some fun. Like yeah. we all, everyone a part of this team has been to the CrossFit Games as individual. Okay. Yeah. We've all had good success. Yeah. Uh, and we are now all you guys. <laughs> and we're we're all we're all now we're all now at a point where we would get fired up. We would get fired up even more. We will do better knowing that there's no pressure. Yep. That we're going to have fun. We're going to have a good time. We're going to create a memory. We're going to go have some laughs. We're going to we're going to throw down and we're going to work for each other harder than we would probably work for ourselves in an individual setting. But we're going there for the experience. We want to go and throw down and have a good time. So yeah. that in itself is what I look forward to the most. And that not and that's not necessarily, you know, you know, going and asking, you know, like Rich Froning, the you know, the number one person who's done the, the best in the team for the last in the last decade. Hey mate, you want to be part of my team? Like, you know, he would be a great teammate for sure. Uh, and we probably would get along really well. But in sa- retirement for you. <laughs> yeah, but in, in saying that, I would love to just go throw down with one of my best mates, Khan, and have a good time and and you know, build some memories, build some memories with a with a crew that, you know, I can look back when I'm fifty and go, Man, that was a good time. We we had a really good time then. And like you know, so something would a dream just dream team look something like you, Khan, Tier and maybe Ellie or Laura Clifton in the fourth spot. <laughs> something like that yeah for sure like that would be that would be like a that would be a hectic team like I guess you just like I would love to go with a full Aussie contingent and maybe you even look at you know look at some of the girls that have done like the girls you know for the uh, you know until until Ricky and and um Ricky came along and took podium spot um the girls have been crushing it so you know you've got we've got girls that are podium from um, from Australia, and you know, you've got Tia who's podiumed, you've got Kara who's podiumed, you've got Jamie Simmons who's podiumed. Oh, true. Um, Maybe Jamie Simmons on the team. Yeah, that would be a sick, sick team. team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so New Zealander, though, too. Oh, either way, Laura Clifton is too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just um, it's just a matter of like, all right. We, the thing is, we can't have three people that all just want to go for a good time, and someone who wants to do. Yeah, seven hours of training a day. So that's the other thing. You can't do that because so that I'm not. Pity I'm not. Not as having a baby, or she could have had her. <laughs> yeah. Look, the thing is, I just can't commit to, and yeah. and most most of the other people in the team, they won't be able to commit to, you know, anything more than you know a ninety minute training day because yeah, we're all busy. Absolutely. We're all busy with stuff. So, and you know, if you want to be an indie athlete, you're doing two hour, two and a half hour morning session and two hour evening session, typically somewhere there, maybe not, th- not throughout the whole year. It's usually two hours and 90 minutes, roughly like three and a half hours a day of hard work. But 
for a team, if you've all got a good base to work from, you know, you can get away with doing an hour a day for most of the year and really just hone up. And then when you get, you know, a couple of months out, you start pulling some extra extra hours in the gym and start becoming a bit more resilient. Yeah, nice. Um, what are your thoughts on the setup for next year's CrossFit, as in separating? Um, they were, they just announced the percentage ranges of people from each country, but also the part of separating age group from the elites at different events. Well, I, I, I'd heard. So as far as I know, I'd heard that you know the CrossFit Games is only going to be hosted to the individual athletes and the teams. Right. Um, yes, yeah, and then they were going to separate the age group. Um, into a different, completely different event at a different date. Yeah, look, yeah, I think it's a tough one because I think the age groupers would have loved to thrown down at the CrossFit Games. They essentially don't get an opportunity to compete at the CrossFit Games anymore. So I think that's a bit of a kick in the guts for them. I think it's a tough one. There's pros and cons for both, and I would really have to sit down and and whiteboard, whiteboard pros and cons. I look, I think it's... I feel like it's also because both sections are getting so much bigger than they have been in previous years, and this is why it's come to this. Yeah, I think so. And I think trying to handle so many categories and divisions at the top level is a... It's a, it's a pretty hefty expense. And I think that, yeah. you know, whilst it's... um. Whilst it's unfortunate for the for the um, the masters crew yeah. that they don't get to do it and the te- teens and stuff like that, um, but what do you, you think know about the teens not being at the same event at the elite, probably knowing that half of them will go up to be those elite athletes. You know what? As a team, I don't think it's as bad because they'll have the opportunity if they stick with it. They'll have the opportunity yeah. to get to there, whereas the masters they can't get younger. Yeah, you know, yeah. other than the uh, whereas, team, but I guess separating the events means that the teens can go and watch the elites rather than competing on the same day. Yeah, look, I think that's a massive bonus for them too. Yeah, um, so yeah, like that—that's a massive pro. That's a huge pro. They get to sit yeah. there. They get to absorb. They get to absorb where they aspire to be, and they've never had that opportunity before. They, you know, they're competing. They're trying to throw down while you know, their idols and their inspirations are all throwing down. So they only get to see it on repeat. Whereas if they get to sit in stands and picture themselves being in that spot and manifest that day in, day out until the next year when they can compete at that level or two years later, that could be the difference between them making it and not making it, you know? Yeah. All right. The next question was, there's 12 new gladiators coming out with four of those being CrossFitters. Did you try out for it? I actually so funny. I did get a call about yeah. doing it, um, it and how did Khan get in? <laughs> yeah, so K, so so KP KP was one of the original like call ups, oh, okay. and then and then I got a call saying that filming would be through September, mm-hmm. and he said I said yeah mate I'm keen I'm keen to do it, and then after the phone call I kind of sat there and thought I don't think I can with my schedule the way it was, I don't think I can commit to doing it. So we had organized a Zoom call to have a bit more of a chat about it. And luckily enough, I never got the Zoom call. So <laughs> it kind of worked out because I think I was going to say, look, if I have to be in lockdown for five or six weeks doing filming or whatever it may be, yeah. I don't think I can commit to doing it. So it was Maybe probably going to be a call saying, 
yeah, maybe, you know, I would be happy to go and be a competitor because yeah. that requires me for a day. I can go in there and I can do a day or two or whatever and that's fine. But yeah. to be a gladiator, um, to, to wipe a month and a half of my schedule, like, yeah. you know, it's just for a, for a growing business, it's only, you know, 12 months old, can't do it. Yeah, absolutely fair. Yeah, one of the other guys, Kwame, the big strong guy. Yeah, he big Kwame. worked with him at a gym years ago and he was yeah. a month worse, but yeah, he got in. I've yeah, I've known Kwame for a very long time. <laughs> How good. All right, the next one is, where do we go? Um, do you remember 2021, Torian, that you left your lifting belt back in Adelaide and I happened to be flying and in you the brought Friday it. night? And I yes, it I remember. <laughs> yes, so I remember Dad calling Dad and saying, can anyone bring my belt? And he goes, Ella. I'm He's like, and I was <laughs> Yeah, so I do remember this. I I, I remember vividly. I like this is a repayment for me bringing your belt up and you getting that PB was you coming on the podcast right now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's so good. Yeah, and I remember. I happened to be staying in the same hotel, like everything aligned. <laughs> yeah, it just worked out so well. No, I yeah. remember that. So thank I'm you for that. I'm very glad that it helped because I remember running into Seoul on the way to the airport and my no joke had like 30 people stop the class and find your belt. And it had That's to be funny. And then I yep. like got it and ran to the airport. <laughs> so good. So, so good. Yeah, it was so good. Um, the next one is how do you manage um, a public profile like on Instagram and dating and relationships? Because a lot of people like to watch and talk. <laughs> yeah, look, I think everyone probably, and I think most people understand this, but what you see on Instagram is not always what it seems to be. Like you always put 90% of the stuff you put up there. Some people try and be real, real on there. And I think that's becoming more of a trend to be as real as possible. But you typically put up the highlights of your day, the highlights of your week, the highlights of your months. You put up your wins. But a lot of people tend to miss, unless you're running a YouTube channel along with the with the, with the the downs, yeah. you never really want to highlight a big, you know, a big fuck up that you make or you know something like that so essentially what I like to try and do is understand what my audience is and my audience is 75 or well, 70% just over 70% males and they're all between 25 and 34 yeah so if it's that type of demographic in that age bracket with you know probably the want or the aspirations to be probably fitter healthier you know better and stronger, better in the gym. They want to, you know, they probably maybe run business as well. They're trying to manage that. I just try and make it as much as I can a way to give them the insights or some learning experience or some just experience that I've come up, up with. So it's trying to, number one, look after my sponsors. Number two, um, make sure I'm speaking to my audience in as much in as much context that is, you know, handy for them to get some education out of. Um, and then aside from that, and then also like juggling like relationships as well. The thing is like my, my partner, Lauren, she's an absolute gem. She's like a very relaxed, very relaxed person. So, uh, she, she's, she's hairdresser actually, but she's, she's mega fit. Um, she's, um, we're actually going to do some high rocks, um, next year. It's going to be super fun. So that's going to be a pretty cool event. Um, so she's going to try and gear up for that. But, um, you know, like she's very easygoing. Like she's just she's just super chill. She's just like a, just a, a lovely person. So trying to navigate that is, is, is it's not really a navigation of any sorts or anything like that. It's, it's kind of, you know, she was um, 
she was just like a seamless a seamless entry and i think for both of us we were both very seamless into each other's lives so it kind of just worked out very very well all right the last listener question is the dreadlocks how do you maintain them and have you still got them (laughs) well i actually cut so this is about this is about um half of what i did have if i still had what i had last year as well as this it probably would have been bordering on my belt line um but i started growing them in 2018 I get them, I get them uh, like teased every or like or like relocked. I get them relocked every probably eight weeks or so, yeah. and then I wash them probably four times a week because I train a lot. So yeah. yeah, it's just regular shampoo. Just make sure I don't use conditioner because it loosens them off. Yeah. So regular shampoo, good to go. Just get it into the scalp, and you're good to go. How good! And then what are you consuming at the moment in terms of podcasts, books, TV shows? Yeah, so at the moment, like every day I try and listen to as much educational stuff around gut microbiome. So things are going to help with my business. Things are going to help, you know, look at new ingredients. Like what are people using? What are people liking? What's what's the new what's the new um, phase of, you know, supplementation? And a lot of people are focusing on longevity these days. And that, you know, yeah. comes from gut microbiome, a lot of fermentation stuff, a lot of people talking about postbiotics, a lot of people, um, you know, talking about uh, compounds are going to help mitochondrial health, uh, mitochondrial density, um, things are going to help people perform and live longer. So um, I try and listen to people that are, you know, experts in those areas, people that are, are you know, progressive in that space. Um, uh, I also love the business space. So I like to listen to a lot of people talking about business and how they've grown brands. So I try and draw some inspiration from people that have grown, you know, large e-com brands and and how to get your business in the face of the people that you believe will benefit from your product. Um, and then I'm also consuming obviously, and I've always been a a big fan of, you know, since it came into the space, you know, 2017 era, I also try and learn a lot about uh, blockchain and crypto space. Yeah, nice. And who are you following on social media at the moment that you're loving seeing? Oh, um, who am I enjoying watching on? (laughs) You know, I pretty much go on my social media just to post about business. So I kind of use it as a business platform. I don't, I don't typically go on there and very rarely, maybe like a couple of times a week, I might get caught on the scroll just aimlessly, but I kind of like, you know, snap myself out of it pretty quick. So I don't, I don't typically go on there just to watch specific people. I kind of go on there to get my post up for fiber, um, get my stuff up for my personal stuff. And then I just try and spread that across TikTok, Instagram, uh, TikTok, Instagram and, and YouTube. So I don't have much time. I don't have much time to, to spend on there um, focusing. But then again, every now and again, I'll listen to people like, you know, Davey Fogarty. He's from Adelaide, you know, with the Udi. I love listening yeah. to him talk. I think he has some really insightful stuff to say. And I've been watching lots of him on Shark Tank as well. That's really interesting what he was saying, and especially giving advice to people starting up. Yeah, I think that's such valuable knowledge. And, and I think in that space, you know, he's one of the best at doing it. So if you're going to try and grow a brand, you should probably listen to someone who's grown multiple brands to, you know, eight figures, nine figures plus. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're finishing off with five fast questions. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind. You literally just have to spit it out. So no okay. thinking about the answer. Okay. okay. So the question numbers are one to 20. Give me a number. 18. All right, 18 is if you could change the world in any way, what would it be? Uh, uncover the aliens like straight away. 
uncover them immediately. Yeah. All right, next number. Oh, seven. Uh, your coffee order. Uh, it is a small a small almond latte with an extra shot. Nice one. All right, next one. Twelve. All right, number 12. Is your favourite actor or actress and why? Oh, favourite actor would probably be... Um, oh, it's... Um, Oh, I've had a mental bloody blank. Really it's the, a mental blank on this one. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a bloody mental blank. Um, the guy who played Legend um, oh, and Warrior. I'm struggling here. Um, <laughs> Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy. Yeah, Tom Hardy's yeah. my favourite. And I think – and I just love – I loved him in Legend. I loved him in Warrior. I loved him in Venom. I just, I just think he's just a really – well-rounded actor and he's just got a bit of I just like he's got a bit of grunt to him like he's so just good. uh yeah I've, I've i froth tom hardy <laughs> and last one uh five five and what's your favorite motto or saying to live by probably create your own luck yeah nice <laughs> oh sweetie bye well, thank you so much for coming on today hang on bye sweetie <laughs> no more barking your time. Yeah, she's my pleasure my pleasure thank you oh great awesome thank you what a brilliant episode with james hey talking about like the behind the scenes of how hard you have to work to get to the high standard in like elite sports really everything james did he put his mind to and really tried hard to get to the top. I found it really interesting when James was saying how, you know, when you have to shut off from your life to be able to get the best performance as an elite athlete, and really the people around you is really what helps you to get there, and how that really helped him to perform on the world stage. It's Rico time! So I know it's another audiobook. If you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks because Spotify allowed those, but only for 15 hours. And listening to three books in a month apparently is 15 hours, so it won't refresh till next month. But anyway, my recommendation for this week is Any Ordinary Day, Blindside, Resilience and What Happens After the Worst Day of Your Life by Lee Sales. If you know who Lisa Howes is, she's on like a lot of the news channels on ABC. I've been following her work for a few years now and mate, she is bloody good at her job. So I thought if she can do good journalism, surely she can write a good book. But yeah, she definitely can. This book is really interesting how it talks about how life can change in an instant moment and what really happens after that. So she follows a few deep stories that are pretty well known in Australia and talks and interviews people surrounding them. But yeah, good read. Go and have a read if you can, or listen to the audio book on Spotify. But while we're on the topic, talking about recommendations, this is a time where you should send this podcast to a friend, or any of the other episodes that you've really enjoyed. So, you know, help this little podcast grow. Please like and share us on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. But if you uh, really loved it, come back next week and listen for more. And then if you really, really loved it, Please share it onto your social stories or, you know, shoot me a message and tell me what you thought. So have a wonderful rest of your day, have the best week, and see you next Wednesday. Bye!